Thank you very much. Bless you guys. Good morning. Ah, oh, isn't God's presence awesome? It's just a real sense of awe in this place as we've been worshiping this morning. Um, as Rob alluded to, we're, we're continuing our series called Awesome God, Recapturing the Wonder of Our God, because our God is awesome. Awesome in power. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning in awe of God's power. My prayer is that as we get a greater understanding of the awesome power of God, we will grow in courage, in boldness. We will grow in praying big prayers. We will grow in faith and expectation that actually what God wants to accomplish through you and me, he will accomplish. He will accomplish. You know, power makes a huge difference to the way we approach something. Um, A few of us have been stripping out some old electric cable up in the social club, and um, here's... A piece of it, nothing much to look at. Piece of copper wire with some rather dusty old plastic insulation. But a few days ago, I approached this very same piece of wire with great respect and sense of fear and trembling. Why? Because as my electrician screwdriver went to one of its terminals, it started to glow, indicating that there was still 240 volts running through this cable. We then discovered that actually there's a... John's looking horrified now. There's there's actually a separate breaker that was feeding the social club that we hadn't detected yet. So, not much to look at now. And yet, power makes a huge difference. Suddenly approaching this very unspectacular piece of metal and plastic immediately became a matter of life and death. Power makes a huge difference. And to say that God is powerful is probably one of the greatest understatements we can make. All power belongs to God. All power I love the simplicity of Psalm 155. Simply says, our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. There is absolutely nothing that our God cannot do that's in line with his own divine, righteous, loving, holy nature. At the beginning of this series, we spoke a lot about the wonder of creation, the wonder of the heavens and the earth. And maybe because I'm a little bit geeky, I love all the mind-blowing facts about our universe. And if we just think about the sun, just for a moment, you know, I was worried about 240 volts running through this cable. Apparently, the sun, despite how far away it is from the earth, absolutely fires the earth with more power every 14 and a half seconds than the entire population of the world uses in a whole day. Every 14 and a half seconds, there's more power hitting our earth than the entire population uses in just in a day. Incredible. If you really want to know, that works out as 
1,500 watts of power hitting every square meter of our planet. All the time, all the time, all the time. That is power, and yet, our God, just through his word, created the heavens and the earth. With one command, let there be light. And the heavens and the earth were created. The sun was created in all its power. This is our God. This is our God. Awesome in power as we've just been singing about. I love that new song, The Lion and the Lamb. Awesome in power. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah declared, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I love it when our worship ties in with where we feel God's leading us. Nothing is too hard for God. If God is for us, who can be against us? But the thing is, this, this power doesn't just stop at creation. The Bible also tells us that it's only because of God's power that the earth is sustained. Hebrews 1 Verse 3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is our God, awesome in power. Colossians 1.17, in him all things are held together. Awesome in power. It's only because of God's sustaining power we can take our next breath. Or our next heartbeat. God is actively involved in every single area of our lives. He's not this passive being who has wound up the clock of time and just let it run its course. If we're honest, at times it can feel just like that. God, where are you in this mess? And it takes faith to believe what the Bible tells us. That no, God, his power is actively involved in every area of our lives. If he wasn't, everything would perish. Andrew Wilson has written a great little book called Incomparable. And in it, he describes the difference between creating a model and creating a song. And he says, when you create a model, it doesn't really need your continued sustaining effort for it to exist. It's just there. It's done. Move on to the next project. Whereas when you sing a song, it requires your continued, complete involvement for it to exist. A song has no existence apart from a singer. It is completely wrapped up in the singer. And it's the same way the Bible says. That is the relationship that God has with his creation. Without his continued sustaining breath, everything would finish. We are completely and totally reliant on him. On him. On his power, power to create, power to sustain us, the whole universe, and power to save, power to save. Perhaps nowhere more is the power of God more magnificently demonstrated 
than with Jesus on the cross. What appeared like complete weakness was in fact the greatest demonstration of power over sin, over Satan. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, what a magnificent demonstration of power over death itself. This is the God we worship. This is our awesome, powerful God. This is the God we come to in prayer. The question is, do we have too small a view of our God? Do we have a too small view of what he can actually do? Do we doubt his involvement in our lives, his very commitment to you? Do we truly believe, as Jeremiah declares, that nothing is too hard for him? You know, sometimes we can partition God so easily. God, I believe you for this, but I I struggle to believe you for that. Nothing is too hard for God. And, And when we lose a sense of awe and wonder at his power so quickly, we can start to approach him without much expectation. You know, God, I, I, as I said, I, I've got faith you can do this. But I just don't have faith for, that you can impact this. This situation's too hard. No, nothing is too hard for you. And we see in the Psalms time and time again this, this whole attitude of great and awesome is God in his power, despite the difficult circumstances, despite their hardships. I love Psalm 147. It says, Great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. You know, and because this psalmist has such a big view of God that he can go on to say, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He supports the afflicted. He brings down the wicked. And it goes on and on and on. What an awesome, mighty God we have. We've seen his deeds in the past. We know his power in the present. We can trust him in the future. This is our God, abundant in power. You know, we could just stop there really and go back to worship. It's quite tempting, isn't it? <laughs> we kind of, we're at that level anyway. Really tempting. But you know what? There is something perhaps even more incredible than what we've been talking about. And that's the fact that God's power is not just something that we witness and go, wow. But it's actually something that we can and should experience in our own lives. The truth is, the promise is, for every follower of Jesus, the indwelling of the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We don't just witness this power, we can experience this power in our lives. Let that sink in. Last Sunday, was, we celebrated the, uh, the day of Pentecost, the, the first time the Holy Spirit came in power and baptized those early disciples. Incredible. You know, it's the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave his disciples in Luke 24. He said, I, I will not leave you powerless. I won't leave you as orphans. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will clothe you with power from on high. Let's just read some of these scriptures out. Acts 1.8. Most people know this. Remember, this is a promise for every believer 
You will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Colossians 1.11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Flick into the Old Testament, Isaiah 40, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Psalms, Psalm 68, 35, awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. You're getting a theme here. There's so many more scriptures we could have picked. But the truth is, this is what we've got to get into our hearts, that the Christian life is a life designed to be empowered by God. The Christian life is an empowered life. The word power in the Greek in the New Testament, dunamite, it's where we get our word dynamite from. This explosive power that is the promise for every believer. The question we have to ask is, do you know the power of God in your life? Maybe you have in the past. But maybe today you feel a little bit like this cable. A bit powerless. Do you feel powerless in the face of temptation? Do you feel powerless in the face of your circumstances? God, this is just too much. Maybe you feel just very empty, very dry. The good news is that today you can know this empowering of the Holy Spirit. We'll be praying for people in not that long a time, hopefully, if I can speed up. You can know the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the same power that with one command spoke the heavens into being, the same power that continues to sustain our existence, the same power that Romans 8 says raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you despite your vulnerabilities, despite your difficulties. Despite your struggles, it's because of these that we need his power. We need them. And this is what we see right the way through Scripture. Weak, fallible, normal people getting totally empowered by God through his Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we can treat, when we read about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can treat it a little bit like a nice boost, it's nice to know that we've got that in reserve. I don't know if you've ever seen these electric bicycles. They look a bit silly if you ask me, but I don't know if you've got one. Please forgive me if you do. But what they are, they're, they're normal bicycles with a little electric motor on them. Most of the time, you do the pedaling. And then when it gets a little bit tough, get a bit tired, or you go up a steep hill, you can switch the electric motor on and bzzz, it takes you up the hill. I think we can approach sometimes this empowerment of the Holy Spirit like that. Most of the time, I'm okay, God, I've got this, got this under control, I'm doing my thing my way, I'll call you when I need you. That is not an empowered life. That is not what the Bible describes here. God's power is an absolute necessity. In fact, it is the only way to live the Christian life can't be more clear than that. You know, last, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about how God calls the unqualified and the disqualified. Well, God also empowers the unqualified. 
You know, those he calls, he also empowers and equips. And we need his power. I need his power. I need his power to change my heart. You know, I can change my thinking. In fact, we're told to change our thinking. We're told to to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to take every thought captive. That's something we can actively do. But I can't change my heart. I need the power of God to do that. It's the only thing he he can do. I can't do that. I can't change my motives. I can't change my desires. Only God can do that. As Claire was talking about holiness last week, he changes us from the inside out through the power of his spirit. In short, we need God's power to be the people he's called us to be, to do the things he's called us to do. You know, I look around at all the needs there are around me and around you. And so often just feel completely helpless. Just don't have the answers. But I know a God who does. We need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually. Like this power cable. You know, it has to stay connected, doesn't it? To the source of its power. The moment it's disconnected, it's completely useless for what it's intended. The same with us. We have to stay connected to our source of power, the source of life itself, the Spirit of God. Michaela spoke a lot about that when she spoke on John 15 as part of our Jesus at the Center series. If you haven't listened to it, check it out online. That we have to remain connected, abiding in Jesus, the true vine, that apart from him, we can do nothing, nothing. We've got to get this in our heads. It's so important, so important. Charles Spurgeon once said this, he said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, like coals without fire. We are useless, That's not an exaggeration there, I don't believe. And there is so much we could say about staying filled, staying connected in the Holy Spirit. There's so much we could say. But as I was preparing for it this week, I really felt God just draw me to one point. One point. And it's uh, in 2 Corinthians 12. If you've got your Bibles, do turn to it. It's just two verses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. It's the well-known passage where Paul is sharing about his thorn in his flesh. doesn't tell us what it is, but he tells us what God is teaching him through it. And he says this, but he, that's God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast All the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's a challenging, challenging passage, isn't it? Incredibly challenging. But I believe a key to living and experiencing the power of God in our lives is to first acknowledge 
our own weaknesses and our need of God's power, our need of God's strength in our lives. And that takes real humility, doesn't it? goes against our human nature. We, we generally like to play down our weaknesses. We tend not to boast in them. But until we get a right view, both of God's supreme, awesome power and of our own weaknesses, then we will either be trying to do stuff in our own strength and getting very disappointed and very disillusioned, or we end up using those weaknesses as an excuse for just not doing stuff. You know, when I get my life sorted out, then I can be of use to God. When my circumstances change a bit, then God, I believe God can use me. No. What we read here is it's in our weakness that God can accomplish his purposes. It's not even despite our weakness. God is so awesome that despite our weakness, it doesn't even say that. But when I am weak, God's power is perfected. That Greek word there means to be made complete, to be fulfilled in our lives. What does he mean by that? Well, basically it means that when we are so aware of our weaknesses and yet God accomplishes something incredible through us, people will see it and go, well, it's obviously not you because you're weak, but what a God you have. It reflects the glory onto God. Surely that should be our motivation in our life. We're always trying to point people to Jesus, aren't we? Through our lives, through our testimony, through our marriages, through our work. We're trying to point people to Jesus. And boasting in our weakness means that actually it's definitely not you <laughs> That's that, that this amazing thing is being fulfilled. You know, your joy, your peace. Where are you getting that from? It's not because you're a strong person. It's because you've got a strong God. I remember when we were, um, I used to work for Island Records and um, it was all being bought out and everyone was losing their jobs and it was, there was a lot of fear around. And I shared this before, but one of my colleagues got really quite concerned about it. I offered to pray for him, and, and he just said, look, he said, you're at peace, aren't you, because you've, you know God. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. And it was really nice, because he knew you're, you know, wow, aren't you kind of together guy? He knew I wasn't, completely the opposite, but he knew that I knew God. Eyes pointed onto Jesus, and Paul totally got this. In his first letter to the Corinthians, he says this, he said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. This is the mighty apostle Paul. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but, listen to this, in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, in the power of God. When God demonstrates his power through yours and my weakness, it reflects people onto him. Eyes turn to him. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. So I was thinking about this. I was remembering in Acts 4 when Peter and John were hauled before the Sanhedrin, the, the religious council, the religious leaders of the day. And what they saw was that these were ordinary Galileans, fishermen, uneducated, weak, 
And yet they were speaking with such authority and power and boldness, doing signs and wonders. What did they do? They were amazed and immediately made the connection to Jesus. They remembered these guys were with Jesus. They made the connection. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And just to clarify, because I think it's important, this weakness that Paul is talking about is not a weakness for sin, okay? Yes, there is power and grace for us to say no to sin. God's power is there for us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness and upright lives, as Claire again was mentioning last week. Paul isn't boasting in his weakness for sin. He's not delighting in the fact, in his violent temper, say. You know, I'm not delighting in the fact that I'm actually a greedy person. I'm not boasting that I have a tendency to hold grudges and harbor unforgiveness. I'm not delighting in my weakness for the opposite sex. He's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, because, hey, when I'm weak, then, then I'm strong. You know, that's not, I think sometimes we can think that. That's not what he's saying here. In fact, he, he combats that whole attitude in Romans 6. You know, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. He goes on to say, no, grace teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. So what are these weaknesses? Well, he actually lists them, doesn't he? Insults, hardship, persecution, difficulties. It's the sense of feeling completely inadequate for the task ahead, feeling burdened, got at, weary. Anyone ever felt like that? You know, being hard-pressed on every side, as Paul describes a few chapters earlier. You know, whether that's physically spiritually, financially. I'm just feeling really stretched and weak at the moment. And yet, knowing and experiencing the strength and the courage and the provision and the peace of God through it all. God's power made perfect through our weakness. Sometimes, yes, by God's power, He delivers us from those circumstances. And sometimes, as is the case here, where Paul's thorn in his flesh is not removed, but through God's power, he gives him the strength to endure. The strength to endure. Again, back in Acts 4. In fact, let's, let's turn to it. If you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, let's quickly turn to it. It's just the response when Peter and John are finally released from the Sanhedrin and they say, you know, you can go, but just stop preaching the gospel or else. They go back to their church. The church prays. In verse 24, I think it's really interesting how they respond to this persecution. Verse 24, firstly, they acknowledge God's power. They say, God, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power. You made everything in them. Verse 27, they recognize God's 
total providence and sovereignty over all things. They, they say, even Herod and Pontius Pilate, they conspired against your holy servant Jesus, yet, listen, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Even the crucifixion of Jesus, actually, God's in control. He's all-powerful. He's in control. These are the first two things they go to. Then they acknowledge their weakness, this current weakness. They say now in verse 29, O Lord, consider the threats. Consider these threats. This is persecution, Lord. This is serious stuff. We've been weakened here. We've been attacked. But then, what do they do? (laughs) In the carrying on in verse 29, they pray for God's power to be outworked, listen, through them. They pray for God's power to be outworked through them. They acknowledge God's power and his sovereignty. They acknowledge their weakness, and then they pray, God, fill us with your power so that through us we can see your your plans and your purposes accomplished. Listen to what they pray. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The room shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. (laughs) I love that passage. I love their faith. I love their confidence and their total reliance on God, on his power. Weakness is only good because it throws us onto Jesus, onto his resources, onto his grace and power. I can't remember where I heard it first, but somebody said, weakness welcomes God's intervention. I like that. Weakness welcomes God's intervention. When we're trying to be strong in our own strength and we're just saying, God, I've got this, I've got this, trying to fight this persecution off or this oppression, whatever we're facing, it doesn't open the door to allow God's power to come in. There was that word earlier this morning to say we need to surrender our lives to him. We need to surrender our lives to him. You know, it's one thing to acknowledge our weakness. But as a famous Pirelli tirad once said, power is nothing without control. Power is nothing without control. His power is made perfect in our weakness, but this is not a power we can wield in our own strength or at will. We have to be totally submitted and surrendered to Jesus, to his ways, to his purposes. We operate both in the power and under the authority of God, which is what, of course, Jesus modeled to us so perfectly, so perfectly. This incredibly powerful word of God that we've just been talking about spoke creation into being, through which the earth is also sustained. John 1 tells us that this powerful word became flesh took on the humility of humanity, humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself, totally obedient to the Father. Jesus said the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his Father in heaven doing. Total surrender 
and obedience to the Father, obedience even to death on a cross, to die for the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, He was crucified in weakness, but he lives by the power of God. You know, weakness, particularly humility and power, rarely mix in this world. Power is usually accompanied by pride, manipulation, corruption. Not with God, not with Jesus. We've just been singing about this incredible paradox. The lion, all-powerful, majestic, the king, and the sacrificial lamb. Complete symbol of humility and weakness. God's power is perfected in our weakness and our submission to God, to God. I think people don't often avail themselves to the power of God because of pride. Too often I have been there, trying to do your own thing, in your own strength, even quoting, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, without fully submitting to his will. There is no power without control. And it's as we place our whole lives, again, this is where God's been getting us this morning in our worship, to place our whole lives, you know, into his loving, faithful. Rob's going to be speaking on God's faithfulness next week. He is faithful. We can place our whole lives into his faithful, loving, strong arms. We can trust him. When we do that, we will experience his power in our lives. An American evangelist once asked William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, if he would share his secret for success. And this is what William Booth said. He said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, Men with greater opportunities, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth that there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. When we acknowledge our weaknesses, not as an excuse for inaction, but as the reason to throw ourselves onto the power and strength of God, and as we fully submit to His rule, to His authority over our lives, that's when we can experience real world-transforming power. I was at a conference once, and Bill Hybels, the founder of Willow Creek, shared about when he met with President Clinton. He used to be his pastor, he used to joke he didn't do a very good job, but um, he noticed once during one of these meetings that his briefcase looked very similar to the president's briefcase that the president always carried around with him. The difference being that the president's briefcase contained everything he needed to launch a nuclear strike. 
It included all the authorization codes, satellites, connections, and everything. Whereas in Bill Hybel's briefcase, it contained his notebook and his Bible. And his question he asked us was, who actually had the greatest power? Who actually had the greatest power? Inside each one of us is the potential power to make a huge difference in this world, to transform this world for good. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? To bring God's kingdom, his rule, his reign into every area of our lives, every sphere of influence that we have. The Bible says the kingdom is not just a matter of talk, but of power. But of power. Yes, we're weak, fragile, vulnerable. We're described as jars of clay in 2 Corinthians 4, yet we have this treasure within. Why? To show that this surpassingly great power, I love that, surpassingly great power is from God and not from us. There is power available for us this morning. Maybe if we could get the musicians back. I just want to I want us to really just almost continue that response that we felt God was stirring us through our sung worship this morning. You know, I know some of you are going through some incredibly difficult times, and God wants to remind you there is power available for you today, for your circumstances, that God is enough. His grace is sufficient. We read out Colossians 1.11 earlier on. And this power is power to endure. Not just to endure, but to give you hope. And not just to give you hope, but to give you hope with joy. This isn't just surviving. This is thriving in the power of God. This is for you today. For others, I believe God is saying, just stop trying to do stuff in your own strength. Stop trying to be this disconnected cable. There is so much more power that's available to you that you've, you know, even what you've experienced so far. Make yourself available. Humble yourself and receive from Him. For others, I believe God's saying, don't let your weakness be an excuse. God hasn't called you to be a dead cable. He's called you to be a live wire, hasn't he? Alive in him. Alive in his spirits. What Jesus was talking about when he said rivers of living water will flow from within you. Have you ever tried to mix water and electricity? Don't. It's not a good idea. It goes everywhere. I believe that's what God wants to do with us today. Rivers of living water set on fire with his power. Goes everywhere. Our neighborhood needs to be impacted by the power of God in your life. There is power over sin. There is power to heal. There is power to give you boldness. I believe there's someone here this morning who God's put someone on your heart, whether it's a a work colleague, but God's put someone on your heart and you're thinking, I could never pray for them. I believe God wants to give you power this morning, gives you that boldness to pray for them. Love to pray for you. There is power to heal your marriage. 
There is nothing too difficult for him. There is power simply to comprehend how much God loves you. You know, sometimes I think this again, some people here just need to know. We need power to comprehend how much God loves us. Perhaps if we could all stand, if you're able, I'd just like to pray. Just finish with this. Pray this prayer in Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 21. So I pray it, just get into an attitude of receiving from him. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and width and height and depth of His love and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just think about that for a moment. May God fill you with all the fullness of God. There's so much more of Him. Now to Him who is able to do infinitely more, infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. Why don't we just say together, His power is at work within us, within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever. Let's worship Him.